0: This is a crowd podcast.
1: Welcome to the Fertility Podcast, where we aim to educate and empower you on your fertility journey, whatever stage you're at. I'm Natalie Silverman, a broadcaster and fertility coach, and I had my son after successful fertility treatment. And I'm Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse
2: consultant. We'll be your trusted guides, chatting each week with experts and people
1: just like you to let you know you're not alone. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Fertility Podcast. Can you hear a difference? (laughs) 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 Because
2: I your smile, you did
1: the... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Right, go on. It's fine. I'm recording. We're on. Okay. I go, now I'm really aware of doing. I know, it. but it's great. Can I just?
2: Can I just get it? I'm just going to video it.
1: <laughs> but now there's pressure, and I don't even know what I do. Well,
2: I pretend I'm not videoing.
1: Okay. But you've got a phone in my face. So welcome to another episode. Stop. Of
2: the- stop. <laughs> it isn't you enough. Yeah. Right. I'm
1: going to leave all of this in. Welcome to another episode.
2: No, I wasn't ready. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. I'm so not going to smile. Come on. So welcome to another episode of the Fertility Podcast. Look
2: at that face.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Kate and I are in the same place. We are in Kate's lovely office. I'm a bit sad that there's no pigeons. Normally, I get to witness Kate wafting pigeons and I've noticed you've got a bird feeder through your window that you can feed from inside.
2: No, 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 no. I can't feed it. I thought you could put
1: your hand through the glass.
2: No, (laughs) because that would be hold through the glass, it? would be hold through the glass. No, no. So that's where the birds land. But the issue is the cat has now found it. Oh, really? So she sits on this ledge and she launches herself at the bird feeder on the other side of the window. If you're
1: listening to this, you'd be like, I've got no idea what you're talking about. So I'm assuming you're going to put that video somewhere.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to take a photo of it.
1: We've had a lovely day. We have been clambering through a buttercup field. We have. I was almost eaten by a cow.
2: <laughs> that was very funny. They seem to like you. I think it's because of your red dress.
1: Yeah. I didn't look to see if any of them had rings through their noses because they were coming quite fast towards me. Kate and I went traipsing through the field with Dan, our photographer friend, wearing white pumps, both of us, to have some pictures taken because this is the first time we've actually been in each other's company for over a year. Yeah. Yeah. And we really needed to have some pictures taken. So make sure you're following us on our socials to see the pictures. I'm at Fertility Putty. And I'm at Your Fertility Journey. Now, um, put the phone away. Okay. Now I'm getting a bit like subconscious.
2: Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad to make you subconscious because you normally make me subconscious. Self-conscious. It's Sub- not
1: subconscious. What's subconscious? <laughs> we both said it, didn't we? Do you know what? I think it's also, we were both a bit blown away Having just read the latest update from the amazing Jessica Hepburn, yeah. um, who has been on her mission to climb Everest. And we're not going to say anything other than check out her updates, because by the time we share this, she will probably have updated everybody like she's updated. We were on her email list. Um, if not, I'll put a link in the show notes to this mm-hmm. about Jessica, because... She's amazing and it's kind of made the pair of us a bit emotional. Yeah, I think it really has. Bless her, she's not been well is what we can share. She's had a chest infection, so that's obviously impacted what's going on with her. But we really have enjoyed hanging out, Mm -hmm. making some ridiculous videos that we'll be sharing with you and just going through our kind of plans for the pod
2: and that's after having a few glasses of wine last night. Yeah, as we well. did.
1: We had a Kate's husband's cooked dinner. I got here about nine o'clock last night. Yeah. And we had a good old chin till about midnight, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I have to say, I woke up in the early hours. Well, early hours f- for most people, it's my normal waking time before six o'clock thinking, oh my goodness, why did I drink that I wine? Know, and, I, oh, I don't too. want to have my photo taken today. Mm. But we did a good job.
2: I think so. We did a few
1: outfit changes.
2: Proof will be in the pudding. Yeah,
1: we'll see. I mean, Ultimately, when you see the pictures that we share online, feel free to tell us whether we've just, you know, (laughs)
2: looked dreadful,
1: whether we're deluded. (laughs) (laughs) Neither of us like having our pictures taken. And you'll know from the Insta community that there's a lot of people who are very happy in front of the camera. And Kate and I are constantly moaning about how we're not.
2: But I admire those people for just getting on with it. And they don't care. They don't care what they look like. They don't care if they're pulling a stupid face. They don't care. And... We need to be more like that. Yeah,
1: we? we do. We do. We in fact, we need to embrace our Alice, and that's what we're doing in today's episode because we, we are going to be sharing in a moment a chat that we had with the lovely Alice Rose, who I'm sure you'll be familiar with from all that she does within the Insta community. We're talking about Alice's route to parenthood, really, and the treatment that she had. In particular, we're focusing on ovulation induction and explaining what that means. So, if there's any questions, as always, do get in touch with us. We'll put all our links at the end of the episode and okay. uh, i've still got a video in my face I know, i've still got the great. phone going <laughs> in my face there's a reason that i do audio uh, but so if this sounds a bit different it's because we're in kate's office we're not in, not in i'm your, in my booth, in and, booth and we're both on the one mic make sure you listen all the way through because of course we've got our chat with james nikapoulis our expert and again we'll put the details of how you can get in touch with us and remind you of how you can review this podcast absolutely because we were looking at our reviews weren't we this morning
2: lovely reviews thank you so much you guys who have left reviews recently they've been stunning it
1: really really does make a difference to us and to other people who are looking to listen to this podcast so please if you can do one thing today we'll remind you again at the end of how to do it but for now let's get on with the episode So welcome to another episode of the Fertility Podcast and a big welcome to Alice Rose, a former fertility patient, a mom of two little ones. Alice, as you may well know, she's a campaigner, she's a mindset mentor and a constant presence in the TTC Instagram space. And um, we've known each other for, I was thinking, we met, I think, at Fertility Fest in 2018. That was when our paths first crossed. But welcome to the podcast again.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I love that constant presence on energy. Get off. Get off Instagram, Alice, for God's
1: sake. I, no. thought that was a, I thought that was a nice way of because that's what i feel like i didn't mean that in a bad way oh no 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 i thought it was
2: funny i am i do i live on there i
0: love it it's
2: i love your reels your reels make me laugh i have a little chuckle when i'm watching your reels they brighten they brighten the day i think
1: when you can see alice kind of jigging around i like it oh god
0: what's she doing now yeah
1: thank you thanks guys it's lovely to be here but it is and it is it, it. It's such an important part, the community, and we talk about it a lot on the podcast. But one of the reasons that I was really keen to kind of get you back on the pod when we first met, and it was at that Fertility Fest event, and, and Jessica Hepburn had said to me, "You need to speak to Alice," and and you were there recording, and I was there was a bit of an audio geek fest going on, and I was like, "Oh, can I have some of what you're doing?" And we had it in the podcast, and it was brilliant. And then, and then quite quickly, your voice and your disdain of what wasn't right came to be what you started talking about and I'm I'm, I mean this I'm I I mean this in a good way because I remember getting you to come to that clear blue event and I, I really distinctly remember watching your face with some of the conversations that were happening and it was like I could see these light bulb moments happening and and your whole think what not to say campaign has been such a huge part of you and your work in this space and I think it's it's been trailblazing really in the conversations it's generated and and I hope you're really proud of it because it's definitely been something that it's been a big part of 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 what we've all been trying to do over the last few years
0: mm, oh thank you for saying that yeah it's funny I think the think or well, not to say thing will just yeah I think it came from when I first started the Instagram account and then yeah going to things like the clear blue thing and I was like <laughs> Wait there's like a disconnect between the conversations and then what people are actually feeling and and then the disconnect between health professionals and their patients and the disconnect between friends and and people going through it you know but you know it's it's my voice is just one of of many and it's something which yeah i am i'm definitely proud of of where it you know where it started and and what it kind of went on to do and all the things that you know all the conversations that i've had as as a result of it i think i feel like i'm i'm quite interested now about looking more about how we as the people on the receiving end of those comments can actually take more ownership of it Mm. and understand better how, you know, how to manage it, which has always been, you know, a passion of mine as well, as you know, it's always kind of been almost like a dual, a dual thing, like running alongside it is also, please don't say these things, but also when you're on the receiving end of them, how can we better manage it? So looking at that as well is is also super important. And I'm very passionate about that as well, as you know.
2: You do it so well, Alice, you know, I think like, like we said, you are this, this fantastic presence that's there. You, you do it with so much humour. And I guess because you've, you've come from that kind of background, don't you, of, of having that knowledge and that ability in the, in the kind of like theatrical world and you bring that to it so well. So it just, it's just so, it's so watchable. That's what I think. Aww. It's so watchable and it resonates, your voice resonates with so many people in the community.
0: Mm, thank you yeah well I think it's just it comes it all comes from the heart you know it's all just my own experiences it's such a you know it's such a transformative profound experience for me and so personal to me that I think that's why I can't um yeah I'm like a dog with a bone like I can't (laughs) it's just it's honestly like my raison d'etre so you know it just it, it yeah, blah, 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 blah. I'm just ba- well,
1: battling
2: now. Uh, no, not at all. But
1: that experience is what we wanted to kind of talk about because what we've been doing with the pod is we've been trying to go back to the real start of the different steps that you might experience and we've been like mapping out as clearly as we can in the hope that when you're having these conversations you feel empowered and you understand what is being said to you in these kind of medical scenarios and where we've kind of got to is you've had all sorts of investigations and, and, and now you're trying to understand more about your cycles and it's, it's part of where Kate's, specializes when people are trying to understand their cycles better and and they're ultimately trying to ovulate and when they're not ovulating there's so many questions and there's so many places and rabbit holes that we we know people get into and they get all confused about and so we're going to be talking with alice about ovulation induction and getting more of an insight into her experience of it but kate before alice tells us more can you explain about what that as a as a treatment option means
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's invariably, it's the first type of treatment that you might start when you've been referred to the fertility specialist, you've gone down a bit of a process, had some investigations. And then the next thing is sometimes, not always, but sometimes ovulation induction, and particularly for women that aren't ovulating. Although even women that are ovulating may still be offered it. It's generally done with, there's, there's two med- medications that tend to be used the most. One is clomiphene, or its name most people will know is Clomid. And the other one is letrozole. There are others, but those tend to be the the main medications. What happens is that you start taking these medications early on in the cycle, say around day two, maybe for about five days, and you might start off on quite a low dose. And what this does and how both clomiphene and letrozole work is they work by increasing follicle-stimulating hormone. And this follicle-stimulating hormone stimulates the ovaries to start working and produce this dominant follicle if they've been struggling to do that. And so I know we talk a lot about PCOS, and it's women with PCOS particularly that find clomiphene or letrozole incredibly useful to get them ovulating when previously they haven't
1: been. So Alice, tell us a bit about your experience then of of this start of this, this particular treatment.
0: Yeah, so I was um, put on clomiphene, first of all. And I had a really good response straight away. I had a, a 28 day cycle for the first time I think ever in my life. So I was like, I didn't, I didn't get pregnant, but I was like, you know, I, I wasn't under a fertility clinic. And I think that was a bit of a hindrance really to my whole experience, because I think the gynecologist that I was under kind of just thought, great, we'll just give it some clomid, and you know, it'll probably be fine. But it wasn't. And when I went in for, for a scan to try and work out what what was going on, she just said, yeah, no, it doesn't look like you're going to ovulate. It doesn't look like you have ovulated. So, yeah. And I was like, huh? What do you mean? Like, I was just so confused. I thought, how is that possible? When I obviously responded really well the first cycle and then the second time, I mean, literally nothing happened. So it was all very confusing. And it was at that actually at that point where she said, I think you're probably going to need IVF. At which point I was like, whoa, you know, like, what? That was only two rounds of... of I just thought, surely not. That doesn't sound right. That was my my introduction to ovulation induction. And, and then it went on quite a long time after that.
2: And did you feel, Alice, that at this, when you first started ovulation induction, that you received all the information that you need so that you had a really good understanding about it? Because I often think that women don't really know what it is and what they're going into and what potentially the risks are. Did you feel that, that they covered that? Or were you going in pretty blinded? No.
0: No, no, I didn't have a clue what was going on, honestly. Uh, looking back, I mean, I didn't even have, I don't think I even had blood tests, you know, over over to check that I had ovulated in that first cycle. I think I think it was all just very, you know, she was like, oh, well, just, you know, let's just give you some clay mid and it'll probably be fine and off you go. And, I, and I, I just thought, oh, all right then. And I did know, like, you know, a friend of a friend had had some clomid and that had just worked for her within you know a couple of months So i thought brilliant you know that's probably going to be fine so no i didn't have enough information at all mm.
2: well, i think that's quite commonplace and and certainly i think with the low doses mm. until they start upping the dose then they don't always seem to be monitoring as much i think once you get the the higher doses then obviously it's more crucial to monitor
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think once they, once I had such two extreme
2: reactions
0: to it, you know, one that was so great, and then one which was so irrelevant. (laughs) Yeah, that's when everything kind of changed. And we went into a different sort of treatment path, really.
1: So at that point, had you had any conversations about OHSS? Did you know about the risks of it before starting any of the treatments?
0: No, no, that hadn't been discussed at all. And I think, again, because I wasn't under a fertility clinic at that point, maybe that was possibly why. But I sort of steamrolled this gynecologist <laughs> to giving me more Clomid <laughs> while I then made the referral through my GP to get my fertility Clinic referral up and running, which is a whole other long story in itself. But we'll focus on the treatment. And at the same time, I thought I want to get a second opinion asap. So I went and had a private consultation to just say, you know, I've had a couple of rounds of clomid and been told I need IVF. Is like I I want some more information. And actually, at that point when I spoke to a fertility specialist, it was so helpful because she explained. She actually she actually explained to me, you know, what what was going on in my body and how I could make lifestyle changes and you know the impact of insulin resistance and all of the stuff that i just had absolutely no idea about um before going to see going to see her and i did continue with with clomid before i actually got to the fertility clinic the the nhs fertility clinic i i, I kept trying with it but just had such varying levels of of response and it was it's a it's quite it's quite emotionally like the the burden of it all felt quite heavy because it all felt so on my shoulders like I I felt like yes I've been given some drugs but everything else was down to me to try and get my body to respond to the drugs so you know all the dietary changes I was making I I was googling everything I was trying to absorb like all this information about learning about how my body worked and how I could you know what every single possible thing I could possibly do to to get it to respond to the drugs and and track my cycles and do the, you know, have sex at the right time. And it just felt like it felt like really hard work, really hard work. And it was really not a fun time.
2: (laughs) And you obviously you mentioned there insulin (laughs) resistance and obviously insulin resistance is part of PCOS and you talked about the lifestyle changes. So did you feel that the lifestyle changes you made to control your PCOS ultimately Helped your ovulation induction work better? Did you start to notice that?
0: I noticed lots of great things as a result of my lifestyle and diet changes. Definitely, like I I felt better. I, I I knew that what I was doing was giving my body the best chance of being at its optimum sort of state, I suppose. But in terms of the response to the drugs, I'm I was also on metformin, so that's when I I was put on metformin and clomid at the same time, which again you know, as you know, is to to help with the insulin resistance. And it's just, it's really hard to say, because my, my cycles did seem to be getting slightly shorter after that magical first 28 day cycle, by the way, that that was never <laughs> again, <laughs> that, that never again happened for me. So I don't know what happened that first time, but I'll, I'll always remember the memory. Um, <laughs> yeah. So then, and then, you know, after that, even with the metformin and higher doses of COVID and the dietary changes, I still was quite long cycles of, well, oh, I, oh, gosh, I can't remember the exact days days now, but but definitely a bit too long and, you know, ovulating a bit too late in the cycle. And I remember my fertility consultant who I was, I only saw her kind of once or twice um, because, again, you know, I wasn't under the NHS clinic at that point. So I was sort of doing all this a bit remotely as well. But I remember you know, learning that I think this is right, and Kate, please correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the later, you know, you ovulate in the cycle, it, it, it's probably not great, because then like the eggs are a bit old or something. <laughs>
2: I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah it, it's, that, I mean, that's a really good point that you've raised there. Because obviously, we do see that women with PCOS who have very long cycles will conceive a long cycle. But I think there is an argument there that, you know, with PCOS your egg quality may not be as good anyway so therefore yeah you're right the longer you go you potentially you're looking at having more difficulties for sure Mm. Um, which which way it goes is difficult to know but you know certainly that
1: does seem to be a a part of it Mm. so at that point Kate if someone like Alice had come to see you and this is what had gone on what would you be saying would you be saying we'll carry on with the Clomid side and see if we can try and get because how long are we talking Alice by this point that you you're trying with the Clomid would you say?
0: Um, well, I think by that stage, I'd already done, I'd done
1: six cycles of clomid. Because you say, Kay, don't you, that there's a certain amount of time that you shouldn't continue on it? Well, it's for
2: self safety reasons, you're only really maximum normally is six cycles. Some women will be able to get a bit more than that. But for the, the kind of balancing out the risks, you tend to not go beyond that too much so that's the issue you kind of want to make so I guess in answer to your question I what I would be saying to people is you want to make the most of that time that you're on ovulation induction yeah and so you know therefore that's when you're looking at the lifestyle that's where you're looking at the right supplements you know taking kind of metformin if it's prescribed although there's still a bit of uh, we're still quite unsure about the the use of of metformin but it's still prescribed so it, I mean as we've talked about in numerous occasions when it comes to PCOS the number one treatment is lifestyle changes that's how you're going to treat your PCOS and to do the best for you both with hormonally ovulation encouraging better ovulation also the long term risks and your general symptoms of PCOS mm. which you clearly want to try and get rid of because you don't nobody wants those nasty symptoms so it is all about taking control as much as you possibly can yourself and doing all those lifestyle changes to optimise your fertility and optimise the ovulation that you're going to have with your ovulation induction medication.
1: Mm-hmm. And did you feel guided, Alice? Did you feel that you knew that, this is, that, there, that there was a potential outcome here that, you know, you were doing all this stuff and that there, you were seeing improvements you've talked about in your lifestyle, but ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, you want, you want that successful pregnancy naturally. But did mm-hmm. you feel that there was guidance or you were just endlessly trying and then it's obviously good Hannah having having that emotional toll as well like you say
0: yeah so before I got into the NHS fertility clinic the only guidance I had had was that one consultation and then I think Mm. I had a follow-up phone consultation with this with this consultant but that guidance was very clear I have to say and I left that I did leave that appointment I really remember thinking oh thank god you know people have someone's listened to me someone's given me like all this stuff I can now try and I felt hopeful at that point, like much more hopeful than I had done, you know, previously. And by that stage, I'd already had, you know, an operation and a couple of rounds of treatment. So I think I did, yeah, I did have some guidance. But I I do, I, I also do remember leaving that although she'd said to me, you need to make all these changes. She hadn't really explained how. So I remember leaving and just thinking, Oh, God, like, what, what can I eat? Like, what am I supposed to do now? And actually, I was so overwhelmed by Google and by everything, all the information that i could potentially find on the internet that I just found myself a nutritionist and I made a consultation and that was really helpful for me and she recommended supplements and she rec- she gave me loads of recipes and and that that was my like little bible and that that changed everything so I was like brilliant right and what I'm doing medically and what I'm doing lifestyle and I really threw everything at it I'm a kind of all or nothing <laughs> person so I was like yep here we go this is going to work and just did everything and it didn't work <laughs> but, you know, I, I did I did give it my best shot. You know, as I say, I did feel, I actually felt amazing on it, I have to say. Like I felt, even despite, you know, being on those drugs, the, the diet and lifestyle changes. Plus I was also doing a lot of mindset and self-discovery work at that point too. So that all that combination actually meant that while I wasn't seeing the two lines on a stick, I was having quite major progress in other
1: ways. And I know you talk about that. Sorry, Kate, you talk about okay. the importance of that And it's something that we're always trying to highlight is that emotional piece that needs to happen throughout this so that it's not a constant negative when each month it's not happening. And it is so important. So were you going to jump in about another part of treatment, Kate?
2: No, I was just going going on to the support side of it, Mm. actually, because I was listening to you talking and, you know, you said about throwing yourself into nutrition and you'd got the medical side of it nailed and I think we're, we're so good at doing that, aren't we? We do all those physical things. And then the last thing we think about is our mind. And then you mentioned about the fact that you were doing some self-discovery work and some mindset work. So I'm just really intrigued because you're there certainly now giving your support to everybody. Who was there for you? Who gave you that support?
0: Uh, Julia Cameron, the artist's way.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, that's a really quick answer. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, she changed my life absolutely. So I yeah. um I did that course myself. It was self-study. It was self-paced. It was just through a um, you know someone had given me this book a couple of years before and it sat on my shelf and I I just thought now's the time and I I worked my way through it. And um yeah, it completely changed my life and also, you know, I was also having some alternative therapy. So I was seeing seeing an acupuncturist and that was wonderful and I was seeing a reflexologist and that you know again that was kind of like therapy but in terms of my own mindset work that that was a self-paced thing.
1: When we're talking about this stage and you're trying to get pregnant and there's this there's this intervention that the, the ovulation induction and as we've highlighted these lifestyle changes and this very important mental health piece what then happens if you've not got success like because what we obviously want to highlight for anybody listening who might be identifying at the same stage is, were you guided into the next stage? Or were you, as we also talk about being your own fertility advocate, going, right, this is not happening in my timeframe. Therefore, what are my next options? How did it how did it fall for you?
0: Yeah, so I was, you know, as I mentioned a bit earlier, the fertility clinic referral for the NHS hospital, just, you know, that that was kind of something that I was trying to get in and it just kept getting cancelled and it took ages and so just to come to the time frame thing i was feeling incredibly frustrated because of the lack of ability to move forward with the treatment progress because i just couldn't get my appointment so when i finally got in there i just <laughs> my first uh, appointment with the with the fertility consultant i just cried my eyes out i said i can't i just can't carry on doing what i'm doing i have to move on i have to move on i can't do another round of clomid and at the time I was you know I was young in inverted commas because I was about I think I was about well I was early 30s they weren't worried about me you know they were like it'll happen don't you know blah 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 but I was like I've already been through an operation and six cycles of fertility treatment and I don't care what anyone says going through clomid is fertility treatment and for me the emotional burden of that was massive and, and really difficult so I was like, no, I can't. I just can't. So yeah, I was. I I did very much self advocate in that first consultation, and then I was moved on to, still ovulation induction, but I went on to gon. I can never say it. Gonadotropins.
2: Gon- gonadotropins. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> gonadotropins. It is a difficult <laughs> one. Just always think gonadotropins. Right. Thank That's you. Just... I always think dolphins for some reason. That's all <laughs> I see when I see that dolphin. I went on to the dolphins
0: <laughs> um, after that point. <laughs> i'll see um, that
2: now yeah you won't
0: unsee it um, No.
1: <laughs> yeah so that's that's what happened next do, to me do you want to explain what that is kate
2: well, gonadotrophins is another way of ovulation induction. It's just a different type of ovulation okay. induction. It just works slightly differently. It tends to be, as Alice said, the next step. So it's yep. kind of going down the next step. Gonotrophins are also given with IVF as well. So for some women, so it so it's really more drugs. depends on the protocol. More drugs. More absolutely. expectation, more
1: disappointment. Mm.
0: It's also inject you know, injections. So you know, I I went through four rounds of that. I mean, I always say, well, it was essentially, you know, almost half of of an IVF round, really. I mean, you're still doing all the scans, you're doing all the injections, you know, you're a pincushion and you're very much feeling like you are in fertility treatment. And yet I just don't see it recognised as such in in most chat. People think of fertility treatment as IVF and you know, that's one, absolutely, but it it, Mm. actually, you know, going through all the other levels to get there can sometimes
2: be Mm. really really difficult and by that time if you're at nine we nine rounds by that point I mean that's like a year isn't it 10 mm. rounds actually and then in fact it was
0: it was over two years because of just the way everything had worked so it was it was it, yeah 10 rounds of treatment in two years which was quite a you know it's quite intensive really because it kind of happened quite quickly from when I was like right I'm gonna try mm. and make a baby now I sort of went almost straight
1: immediately into treatment. Because I think what we're trying to highlight is that we don't want people being rushed into the fertility clinic doors, but we also don't want them to be wrongly guided. And obviously everybody is different and there is no one size fits all. And I think it's just highlighting that rather than getting lost in different conversations on social media or in forums or wherever you're looking, to know that there are these different routes and as you've just described, Alice, there's at times there's a need to try them over and over. So to not lose hope in that, because Kate, from your experience, you know, women that are using ovulation induction, they are seeing success in a shorter space of time, aren't they? That's the, yeah. that's the reason it's used. Absolutely.
2: And certainly with PCOS, as we know, Adam Balan says really clearly, and he said in, in the podcast we did with him recently, is that most women with, with PCOS don't need IVF, but yeah. we just are so quick at throwing them into IVF but actually what they need is exactly what you did even though it was horrible and it took so much time that's the key. Mm.
0: Yeah and you know what I wouldn't actually I wouldn't have changed my experience because actually you know the whole experience was what was Mm. it just was my experience and and as I went through it I learned you know we learned something me and the medical professionals together going on our little journey of (laughs) what's going on with Alice's Mm body you know we we did learn something from each Mm. cycle I suppose and 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 I really did understand like uh, because once I did get into the into the the dolphins um, (laughs) (laughs) there was um different responses again to to the drugs and um you know there was actually I had to abandon one cycle because it was I'd overstimulated and then you know obviously next time we had to reduce the drugs a little bit so it was that fine art that Mm -hmm. balancing act isn't it of of just you know getting the exact
1: yeah. level right so the mm. the successful pregnancy that you went on to have with your first child that was as a result of then ivf or was that as a result of the dolphins <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a dolphin, baby. I um, it was ivf yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so the, the dolphins didn't work for me but you know they do work for lots of people so yeah exactly people listening like don't don't be put off because i i remember reading forums and thinking oh my god this person's been through you know, eighteen rounds of Clomid, and they still haven't had success. And what if that happens to me? And you know, we are all just so different, and there's, a, yeah. you know, we mustn't compare. Mm. And you know that. So that was just my story, my journey.
1: And the guidance along the way, you feel, was there explaining what was going on, why you'd gone from Clomid to the dolphins, and then on to the next. I'm sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> How so I but, but do do you feel that there was that support because in this stage of where we're trying to highlight yes. that people might be at it's it's what or what are the things in hindsight looking back do you wish that you'd been told or that you'd asked? Mm. I think by that stage because I,
0: I was I was in the fertility clinic by that point I, I you know I was under I actually was actually seeing um, a counsellor at that point as well an NHS fertility counsellor who was amazing. I, I felt pretty clued up actually by then because I'd, yeah. I'd sort of been in it then for quite a long time and I'd seen a fertility specialist acupuncturist and reflexologist and they they you know had some information for me as well the Instagram community didn't exist so I didn't really have you know peer-to-peer support but in terms of of what I wish I'd known and gosh it's it's a bit hard thinking (laughs) quite a few years ago now five years ago but I think I wish I had understood that going through each round was was bringing me a little bit closer to the success that I did have in the end. And I'm absolutely aware that, you know, not everybody's story will result in a biological baby as mine did. But each stage of it is bringing you closer to something, you know, whatever that something is, it is actually bringing you closer to either making a decision to move on to donor or making a decision. Do you know what? I actually don't want to go through treatment anymore or, you know, whatever it is. Each part of that experience is not wasted, um, as much as you feel like it is, and you want to throw things at yeah. people when you, you know, I, I totally get it, and I was there. But it, it does all build into your story.
1: Yeah, I think that's really yeah. sound advice. Is there anything Kate you'd add if people are maybe listening and they've been they've been in this ovulation induction phase, and you know, hearing what Alice is saying, feeling yes, I don't. Because I know we always talk about advocating for, you know, what you want next, but there is a, an element of confidence. And if that emotional toll has taken hold and, you know, there's effects happening in your work life or family life and, you know, it's too overwhelming. What would your advice, Kate, be for people to, you know, to, to almost to push on or to make that next step, be it carrying? I on I think or not? my advice kind of on the medical side
2: when it comes to ovulation induction is don't stay Doing the same thing if you're not getting the results. So, for example, some women won't respond to Clomid, yet they'll respond to Letrozole. Some women won't respond to Clomid and Letrozole, and therefore need the Dolphins. So, I would say we will put the actual name in the show next. We're Going <laughs> to M- we how know. You're ruined ruined dolphins. ruin it, it forevermore. Sorry. <laughs> There's going to be specialists going. Who started this Dolphin thing? What do dolphins have to do with fertility? Listen to Alice to find out. Oh, I love it. I can say. So Yeah, I just be your self-advocate, be your fertility (laughs) advocate and push. If you feel that you're not responding or that nothing's happening because you can only have this small, finite amount of ovulation induction, don't hesitate to go back and say to your doctor, look, this doesn't appear to be working. What can we try next? And I think that is the most crucial point when it comes to ovulation induction. No, I think that's really,
0: really helpful. And actually, that's what I wish I had known. (laughs) Now that I hear it, I'm like, yeah, that, what she said. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay what she said perfect well thank you alice and we'll put all of alice's details in the show notes if you're not following her already on um on your socials and thank you for explaining what it was like for you and i think it, it just really clarified the importance of what we're also talking about is this whole mental health piece from the outset of when you're trying to conceive not just when the shit hit the fan we want you to be really aware of it from the word go as much as possible thank you alice now i bid you so well often <laughs> Thank you, haircuts because we know it's this is so a very momentous moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Thank exciting. You very much. Thank you.
2: <laughs> great to talk. Thank you Bye. so much, Alice. Ask the expert. Ask the expert. Ask the expert.
1: Ask the expert. Ask the expert.
2: This lady says I've had four pregnancies, one missed miscarriage and one ectopic, and the left tube was removed as a result. But she's also got two amazing sons, which is great. She said, I've never had a problem falling pregnant. All four pregnancies happened in month one or two of trying, but we've started trying for a third and it's not happening. I've been tracking my ovulation and I get a positive surge on day six and then again on day 11, both only one day and then the stick is negative the next day. Could it be that I'm not ovulating?
1: I'm not
0: a massive fan of ovulation sticks. I think they make things too much like a military operation and often stress people out more. And I think to be honest, if this lady has got a regular cycle, that's such a good sensitive test in itself for, for ovulation. I think to be definitive, just get a progesterone level done at, at around day day 21, and that should give her an idea. Clearly, with having had one ectopic, the chances are going to be a little bit lower, not halved, a little bit lower with, with just the one tube. And the other factor is whatever pathology may have caused the ectopic in one tube may also be potentially impacting on, on how viable. How functional that, that other yeah. tube is. So, if she hasn't already, it's worth getting another tube checked.
1: Ask the expert. 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 Don't forget that. We welcome your questions for Dr. James Nikopoulos. And we've just reached out to him to get another date in his diary. Mm -hmm. So get on the case. You can tell us on our socials. If you've got a question, I'm at Fertility Poddy. And I'm at Your Fertility Journey. Or you can always email info at thefertilitypodcast.com. Or you can pop a note in the closed Facebook group, which is just called The Fertility Podcast. And we'll get your questions answered. Also, whilst we're asking you to do something for us, we'd love it if you leave us a review. I know we mentioned it at the start, but we did love reading the reviews. Mm-hmm. It was really nice reading them together, actually. It was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're soppy gits. <laughs> so, if you can just take a moment, just grab your phone. The easiest way to do it is in Apple Podcasts. Um, but also, if you check the bio at fertility pod I always put links of how you can review the podcast as well. So, it's pretty straightforward for you to do it. And it makes such a difference for people thinking of listening to this podcast to see up to date reviews, which is why we do keep asking. So, thank you as always and from the comfort of Kate's lovely office. (laughs) Until the next time.
0: Crowd Network, a place
1: where you belong.